Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. That man that has the task is named David Cully. That quarterback that Adam Schefter referenced, of course, is the one and only Deshaun Watson. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests this morning on the Goodyear Hotline. And you know, at the age of 65 or in your 60s, you've worked a lifetime. It's time to retire, kick back. And relax, but not in the NFL. Bill Belichick's in his 60s. Mike Zimmer's in his 60s. Vic Fangio's in his 60s. Pete Carroll's in his 60s. Bruce Arians and Andy Reid are both in their 60s. Of course, they'll meet in Super Bowl 55 next Sunday. The latest addition to the 60-plus club is the first-time NFL head coach David Culley, 27 years in the NFL, and the last two in Baltimore and Key. This is a long time coming. The seventh and final head coaching vacancy filled by an African-American and one that really, frankly, was not on the radar at all other than a few days ago. What a moment for him. It's a great moment. I'm glad to see that they wind up finding Coach Cully somewhere because as we were talking about doing the break and all the different costumes that we see people walking around in (laughs) in the city of New York or in L.A., you know, it's almost like the Houston Texans went to one of those costumes that, you know, the ones that you see in the middle of Times Square or you see in L.A. where guys walk around in the Spider-Man suit, but you don't know who's underneath it. But then you reveal, oh, it might be somebody important. Now, maybe the Texans did that, though, Jay. Maybe they found him on one of these New York subway trains out there and they decided, oh, maybe he could be a good coach because he's been around for 27 years, you know, and and he has not been a offense or defensive coordinator. So damn what? I'm so tired of people trying to move the goalposts when coaches get hired. I'm extremely happy for Coach Cully. I've been knowing Coach Cully since I was in high school, okay, when he was coaching at Texas A&M. Mm. Tried to recruit me. Been knowing him since uh, uh, after that when I was at USC. After that, when he was our instructor at the, the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, along his tenure throughout the National Football League. Hire the right coaches around you, offensive, defensive coordinators, run the team and be successful at it, and I think he will be. The problem that you're going to have, though, is the quarterback may not be there, although he does have a, a, a somewhat decent relationship with Deshaun Watson going back to their Pro Bowl days. And Jay, before you weigh in real quick, here's Adam Schefter last night on SportsCenter with Kenny Mayne on what this hiring means for Deshaun Watson. The Houston Texans would tell you, I'm sure that one of the things that appealed to them about David Coley was that they felt that he might be able to get an audience with Deshaun Watson and change his mind. I don't know that that's going to be the case. I'm highly skeptical that whoever they hired would have been able to change Deshaun Watson's mind. I don't think that will happen. I have been told that it wouldn't matter who they hired as head coach. I don't think David Culley will make a difference, but the Houston Texans are going to put every energy they have into making sure that Deshaun Watson is lured back to Houston. Though, again, a lot of people are skeptical that will happen. It's not happening, Key. It's not happening. Deshaun Watson will not be in the Houston Texans uniform next year. And I I thought the one guy that might be able to pull it off, regardless of whether he was late to the party uh, in in terms of the Houston Texans reaching out to him about an interview was Eric Bieniemy. I thought that was the one guy that actually could have gotten Deshaun Watson to buy back into him, maybe not the organization, but him and some of the moves he would have made. But 
I'm happy for David Coley. I'm happy he's going to get this opportunity and this chance to be a head coach. Like Shefty said, the only African-American coach that is hired. The reason why I get really scared for him, Key, is because if he's not going to have Deshaun Watson, like this goes back to the situation we talked about. Like it, it, it feels like, hey, we hired David Coley, but he's going to – the road in front of him is going to be really challenging. Now you're looking for a quarterback. You're looking for the right people. Uh, you know, J.J. Watt isn't really happy with where the team is at. You could lose Will Fuller on free agency. And now all of a sudden he's inheriting a really crappy situation with issues in management with Cal McNair, with Keith Easterby, Easterby still there. Easterby, excuse me. And, and now I, I, I wonder, is, is this a scapegoat type of scenario that two, three years from now, are we going to be talking about David Culley being fired because the situation that he was originally walking into was a team with a great quarterback that had chances to win, and now all of a sudden it's a rebuild. And well, how you rebuild is going to be critical. Well, I would hope that an NFL owner and general manager in Jack Easterby, as well as whoever else is uh, Nick uh, Corsi, any of these individuals that are making decisions certainly would hire a coach to anticipate that they would have to fire him in three years. Uh, that would be a blunder, but we've already seen what Houston's done as far as blunders go. I think the one thing that Coach Cully has going for himself is that he is a blackhead coach, and he is somebody who could have a serious conversation with Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun's a very reasonable young man, there's no question about it, that he could sit down with Deshaun and talk him through whatever issues that he may have with the organization. Some people, you may not be able to do that. But because of Deshaun is a wise young man, you may be able to get him to listen now that time has gone by. And hopefully that time that has gone by, he hasn't had several people in his ear making him feel a certain way worse than he already felt. Because when you around your inner circle, sometimes and you are away from a situation, you could sometimes listen and take on that negativity that's being pushed towards you. Although you didn't create it yourself. It was created by the Houston, Texas front office organization owner and Kyle McNair, but maybe coach Cully can get in there, Zubin and say, you know what? Don't worry about, what they did, this is me and Nick now. This is us. I can turn things around. Give me a chance. Maybe he could talk. You know, you know how I go, man, he he talking to, you know, he talking to somebody now. He ain't, Coach Cully can be trustworthy. So maybe it's a little bit different. And I know Deshaun wanted Eric Bieniemy originally for the first go-round, but then trying to double back as the Houston Texans did to interview Eric Bieniemy, that was a little bit too late. But now that Nick is take coming over from the Patriots and he's now the general manager, maybe they can double team Deshaun together, him and Coach Cully, and kind of talk to him a little bit to kind of calm the waters. There's no question about it. This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17 brought to you by Chase. Last couple things I would say before one of key Super Bowl teammates joins us here in just one second. You talked about moving the goalposts. Essentially, there have been a lot of white coordinators that have skipped the coordinator level or position coaches that have gone on to become head, head coaches. coaches. Correct. Yeah. That have gone on to skip that coordinator level to become a head coach. And this is something that's being done for Cully. It's an insulting thing to bring up because it's been done so many times for so many other previous people. And one other question 
question is going to rear its ugly head, and I just want to get you one minute on this before the great Rondé Barber is here. This is a question that's going to rear its ugly head, so let's just do it straight on. Were the Texans pressured into hiring a black head coach? I don't, I don't know that they were pressured into hiring a black head coach. No, I don't. I, pre, well, first of all, pressured by who? It just seemed like the drumbeat, the swell, everything out there, right? The last two candidates were both African-Americans. It felt like an African-American was definitely getting a job, just a matter of who it was, which is a great thing. I don't think that – here's what I would say. I don't think they were pressured into it because they had a black general manager before. Rick Smith. And Rick Smith. They also had an interim head coach in Romeo Cornell that was a coordinator for him before. I don't think that they were pressured into it. I think that they realized that there's just not what's left. What, let's assume Eric Bieniemy did not want the job. Mm-hmm. Let's assume Brian Dable did not want the job. Buffalo's OC. Buffalo's OC. Let's assume... Leslie Frazier was kind of like, whatever, I'm staying home. They're D.C. They're D.C. So when you start to look at the landscape, what else is there? If you start to go in, who are you going to hire, Brian Billick? I mean, like, what are you, like, seriously, you want Steve Mariucci? I'm just thinking of coaches that are out in the landscape. Keith, so I, I just, you, you, you got a guy that you interviewed that no one thought about in Coach Cully, J. Will, much like nobody thought about Mike Tomlin. And when he goes in there, it's like, okay, well, maybe this might be the best situation. Mm-hmm. Key, I know money speaks for itself a lot of times, especially we can get throw a lot of money at individuals to sign, just like it did with Deshaun Watson. But if Deshaun Watson gets himself out of there, with everything that's been said, with guys like Andre Johnson coming out speaking on this team, with DeAndre Hopkins coming out speaking on this team, with J.J. Watt apologizing publicly, essentially, with his microphone on to Deshaun Watson and not being happy there. If you're, if you're a big-time free, do you want to go play for the Houston Texans? Is that an organization, regardless of Nick Casario and company, and understanding all that with, with ownership and all the things that have been said about the Houston Texans this year, is that an organization that you want to play for? I think that's a question a lot of players are going to be talking to themselves about, and I'm not sure it's going to work out in their favor. Every individual is different. Even Rondé Barber as an individual as our next guest was a little different. He's going to join us in seconds. And by the way, somebody's been watching NFL Network. Mooch, Billick reference. Here we go. Let's go back. I'm cheating. The- <laughs> cheating on <laughs> Moonlight, man. You work here. Here we go. Super Bowl. Rex champions. Ryan. There you go. <laughs> Rex Ryan. Super Bowl yeah, champion. That's the scary thing about coming to the Super Bowl at home. We've been playing so good on the road. Getting to the 10th Super Bowl in 19 years of playing is it's incomprehensible, actually, beyond anything we could ever imagine. And here we are. Brady looking for Super Bowl number seven, February 7. It's Super Bowl 55. It's in Tampa. We've been going down memory lane with Brad Johnson, Derek Brooks, Booger McFarland, all the great members of that championship team with Key. The latest is Rondé Barber. He joins us on the Goodyear Hotline, brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Your team was super impressive back in the day. What impresses you the most on this current iteration of the Bucks, the NFC champions, heading to Super Bowl 55? Uh, you mean besides the quarterback? <laughs> that, that's the obvious <laughs> one, right? <laughs> I mean, this is uh, essentially the same team as last year with one you know, new key ingredient. I mean, obviously you bring in Gronk and Antonio Antonio Brown, but, you know, the reality is this team is the same team that 
you know, finished seven to nine last year, uh, that didn't have a hint at, uh, of sniffing the Super Bowl. Um, so the, the quarterback obviously is impressive. I mean, I, Todd Bowles' defense, I think, uh, if, if I'm being, if I'm honestly answering this question, the last half of the season, especially in the, in the, in the fourth quarter of the season, um, played really well. They started creating turnovers. Um, they won three games on the road to get through the, the, the playoffs into the Super Bowl, and they did it by creating turnovers. Um, they have great players up front um, in, in JPP and, and Shaq Barrett. Um, so it was the, it was the defense. I mean, I, you can talk forever, and Keyshawn probably loved to talk about the, the, the weapons on offense because that's been the narrative all year. But the reality is that the defense started playing better at the end of the season and got them to where they are now. Shocker, Rondé Bar, uh, Rondé Bear. Look, I, hey, hey Rondé, <laughs> I swear to you, I said it all along. The defense. I'm like, Tom is terrific. Tom, there's no question about it. But it's the defense and it's Todd Bowles. And as you know, Tom's going to get the major credit. But that defense, the second half, like you said, has just been tremendous lights out. Think about it. Tom Brady in the second half of the Green Bay game, three turnovers. Not, you know, not great. But then the defense only gives up six points. I mean, so you know exactly yeah. what that means. Let me ask you this, man. A long time, haven't talked to you in quite some time. What is it like in Tampa right now with the Bucks being in the Super Bowl? Yeah, you know, when when we were going through it, Key, it's hard, it's hard to realize, you know, what's going on outside the building, right? But now I'm completely outside the building. I'm a, I'm a fan like everybody else. And I, I would say the excitement level started – you know, back in the summer, just when you sign the dude, just when you bring in Tom, the expectation level rises. And that expectation level, you know, rising um, around the community, you know, is really the same that happened on the team. You, know, you bring in a guy like Tom Brady, it's not like he's coming in here just to, you know, ride out his career. He's coming in here to win. And so there's that expectation level that is that is that is permeating throughout every aspect of, of life in Tampa. And as a player, you don't really feel that. You're just going to work. You're doing your job. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go be my best self every Sunday. But being on the other side of this now, Key, it, it's ridiculous. And 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 I'd be lying if I would if I was saying that everybody didn't, didn't expect us to be here uh, at this point in this community. Now that still has to go happen, right? You still got to go win games. Uh, you still got to, you know, get on a seven game winning streak like the Bucks are right now. But I mean, this is it, it's it's palpable. Right. It, it, I can't say that this is more or less exciting than our than our Super Bowl run. Obviously, that was historic because it was our first one. But this one feels even a little bit more uh, special because maybe because it's a little unexpected. You played a number of years in the NFL, covered all sorts of receivers and running backs and tight ends and. Sure. all sorts of players on the offensive side of the ball. What is it that the Bucks defense need to do to slow down the Chiefs offense? As you saw the first time around in November, what the Chiefs yeah. did, especially Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I, I, I just rewatched that game a couple days ago, Key. Um, and look, that, that game was 27 to 10 at one point. And I, I'm not going to lie. If the Bucks just ran out of time. You remember what Gru used to say? I've never lost a game. I just ran out of time. Oh yeah, well, that's how that game felt to me. Because <laughs> you know Tyreek had what two hundred Tyreek had two hundred sixty yards yeah. in the first half. Yeah, in the first half. Uh, if you put Kansas Kansas City in a situation where where Patrick 
can identify man-to-man defense right away, you're going to get beat because nobody can cover 10. He's not, not only is he the fastest guy in the NFL, you know, maybe Scotty Miller gives him a little, a little run for his money there, but, <laughs> uh, but he's a contortionist. You know, when he's covered, he still makes catches. And when you watch the first half of that game uh, in November, uh, at the end of November, you know, Carlton Davis had good coverage, but he was just getting beat. And the second half of that game, can you go back and watch the second half of that game on defense and watch how they adjusted? They played, kept everything in front. You know, the, the, the two edge rushers started getting after the quarterback, and it, it, it became a game where they felt like they were going to win, right? In the first half, like, no chance of winning this game. In the second half, we got a chance to win this. And I, I, I would say you keep stopping the run game because you know they're going to keep trying to run, which they didn't do well in the first game. Um, and then just find a way to double 10, 10 and, 10 and 87. You know, they, they, have, they have defense that are capable of do that. They did it last week in, in Green Bay. Um, you know, if if you can put some pressure on, on Patrick, I think you've got a chance to beat him and just take away his quick options. You know, Tampa can find a way. Rondé, can you do me a favor? Can you please indulge me? Tell me, what was key like leading up to big games? I'm sure you have some good key stories. <laughs> uh, the same way he is on TV, you know, loud and bombastic and braggadocious and throw me the, throw me the damn ball. <laughs> a brooding little face like that and uh when when he's not involved <laughs> all the truth comes out too um, bad hey i ain't not but but the thing you, is man. jay but but, but look what? jay i ain't never said nothing different that's true okay i, I give you that uh-huh. i give you that but i came but, i came to hey, work I every think- sunday I'll, t- I'll tell you what, though, Jay. He, uh, he he probably had the second best smile on the team, though, when we were winning. <laughs> 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 All right, so Rodney, tell me, tell me this: what, what do you, what would this win mean for not only Tom Brady but also Bruce Arians and the Bucks team in general? Yeah, sure. I mean, this validates it for Tom, right? It's not like he's not already validated as you know, arguably the best quarterback of all time, but to go and do it and bring a team up, you know. Uh, really in a year. I, I, to be honest with you, I would say that Tampa, you know, the organization, probably a lot of the players, at some point middle of the season when they were 7-5, and five, were probably saying, you know what, we had all these, all this adversity, all these things against us. You know, maybe next year is our year, right? And they lose to Kansas City, and you're like, Where's, what is this team going to look like the rest of the season? And that's when they got on their run. They went on that seven-game win streak that they're, that they're currently on. And it became – next year became this year, Right. And so what it means, I think, for, for Tom is, uh, yeah, I, he's had this chip on his shoulder since he was a six-round draft pick, um, seventh-round draft pick. And um, I think he wants to obliterate anybody's doubt of whether or not he's the greatest quarterback ever. I mean, that's why you come to Tampa to try to w- win a Super Bowl this year. And for B.A., and look, we know what his, what his record is. Uh, he, when he was in Pittsburgh, then he went to Indianapolis – Turned him into winners. Went to Arizona, turned him into winners. You know, he comes to Tampa in two years. He's turned them into winners. They're in the Super Bowl, man. This is this is probably one of the greatest stories that the NFL has seen for a guy that was that old to get his opp- first opportunity to coach when he was in his sixties, and then turn basically three franchises into contenders. Um, it, he had, he mints, he never mints his words. He wants to win a Super Bowl. This is first best opportunity to do it. So. I think it would mean the world to him. I mean, I love B.A. B.A. is like my uncle. And uh, uh, I don't know if I've rooted. I'm probably rooting for him now more than I was for myself back in 2002. Hmm. Rondé, what do you make of the hire in Houston, Houston, Texas hired Coach Cully, who's been around for 
you know, 27 yeah. years, first opportunity you mentioned, uh, Bruce Arians' first opportunity and what he's done with those opportunities. What do you make of the hire in Houston? Yeah, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I, I, I was expecting that. You know, I was shocked. You know, I, David David Cully, you know, I, I know he's been around 27 years. I know he's been a fantastic coach, obviously. Um, but it, it wasn't expected by me. I, You know, David Cully gets hired. My first reaction was, who's David Cully? You know, um, but look, guys deserve their opportunity. And, and I heard you guys bantering about this before I came on air. Um, it probably, I, I think I agree with you guys. I think they just ran out of options. Who are we going to go hire? Who actually wants this job? Um, uh, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean he's not going to have success there. I mean, obviously they need to get the quarterback to commit and stay and be in, and be in the organization. But look, I, I'll never discount somebody's opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. We know how hard it is. It's limited jobs. It's limited availability. Um, I hope he hires a great staff and hopes he turns that, 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 that franchise back to where it's supposed to be. You know, a couple of years ago, you felt like the Houston Texans were going to be contenders for, for years, right? And then they changed, they, they trade DeAndre, you know, they lose some key players. And, they, I mean, they were a miserable team this year. They were hard to watch this year. Um, so I, I wish the best for him, regardless of his age. Um, um, but it is it, it was a little bit of a shock. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I was not expecting them to hire him. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. on my radar at all. Yeah. Hey, Ryan Day, you related, are you related at all to Jay Will? Y'all got a similar, y'all got a similar look. What? We got a similar head shape. Yeah, look, look, similar see, look. See, see, Rondé, see, you be saying stuff like that, man. You're like, what, Keith? What are you talking? Yeah, about? Y'all kind of got the same, you know. I'm just asking. Yeah. Hey, man, just because you can't keep the five o'clock shadow, I'm keep looking fresh. So tell I, him, I Rondé. Tell him, baby. Sharp features, man. As I as I recall, there is another former professional athlete that probably looks a little closer to Rondé than Jay Will, if I'm, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, the second best smile on the team, Key. Huh, I hey, got that's that. all okay. good. Uh, yeah. Hey, man, Wrote thanks for down. joining, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate no doubt, it. Man. It's good to see you, brother. It's been a while. Yep. Thanks, Rondé. appreciate you, man. Yeah, so as Rondé said, four-win Texans team. And as they always say in any sport or any job, whatever job you got, you don't have to be the first choice. You just got to be the right choice. And if you're the right choice, it doesn't matter whether you were first, second, third, fourth. You got the gig. A reminder to tune into Mike Greenberg's show, Greeny, which immediately <laughs> follows ours. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio this morning. Mavs owner, Dallas Mavericks owner, Mark Cuban, will join Greeny at 10.15 a.m. Eastern, Greeny will take you inside the stories of the day as only Mike can, the A-list newsmakers you'd expect. He'll interact with you every single weekday. From Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, right into Greeny, weekday mornings on ESPN Radio. On the way, right into Jay's running the point, the biggest NBA takeaways so far, including whether the All-Star game should be played at all this season. That is next on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com 
slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Ten seconds to go. Lakers lead by one. LeBron guards Curry. Out top, Harris with five. Harris drives on Caruso. Hangs, fires, shoots, and makes it with 2.4 to go. The Lakers don't have timeout. Sixers lead by one. Caruso looking to inbound. Inbound, it goes to Davis. Davis dribbling with... He beat there, he throws it up. And no good. And the Sixers beat the Lakers 107-106 on a game-winning shot by Tobias Harris. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 97.5 The Fanatic, if you're a Sixers fan, maybe, maybe, an NBA Finals possible preview. Lakers are going to be taking on the Celtics Saturday night primetime on ABC last night on ESPN. Tobias Harris, three seconds to go, got it done. Philly had a 14-point lead evaporate in the fourth, but they hung on to get it done. David Culley hung on in the NFL for 27 years for this moment. He is the new head coach of the Houston Texans. Every single NFL head coaching opening, almost a quarter of the league, frankly, was open this year. And he is the first and only black coach in this cycle. He is 65 years old. The median age of the seven coaches hired this offseason is 45. So he's waited a couple decades longer than the other fellas in many cases. And he gets the Texans gig. First call, probably to Deshaun Watson. Just guessing. And after seven seasons with the New York Yankees, Masahiro Tanaka announced Thursday he'll return to Japan to pitch for the Rakuten Golden Eagles in the Nippon Professional Baseball League. We should mention, you may recall, that the Yankees picked up Corey Kluber. They also picked up Jamison Tyone. So that is needed because those two guys behind Garrett Cole as Tanaka heads back to Japan. Great career. With the Yankees, no question. Sport Center is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Let's head back to the NBA discussion. We're calling it running at the point. There's a lot of things that have happened so far during the NBA season. As Jay said, we're about a quarter way through. And if you're just sort of getting into the uh, NBA right now with football almost ending, he'll get you up to date. But before we talk about wins and losses, let's talk about something a little bit more sobering. And Jay, that is the passing of a guy that really was a great NBA journalist. I just, Zubin wanted to pay homage to Sekou Smith. Um, it's a guy that I've known for a long time. Uh, not not very well, but in passing, and we always be cordial and, and talk very quickly. Passed away at 48 years old. Longtime NBA analyst, NBA writer, and passed away of COVID. And just, you know, I, I know we live in a society right now where some people have COVID fatigue, uh, but it is still very, very serious. There is still a pandemic going on. And I just want to pay my condolences to, to his family and everybody that loved him. 
And um, that's all I have to say on that one. It's tough. So that will be first and foremost. All right. After we get this out of the way, let's go into run the point. First and foremost, the All-Star Game happening in Atlanta, supposedly, which the NBA is thinking about doing in early March. Here's my thing. I know they're trying to do this to support HBCUs, and I love that ideology. I love that thought process. But the acronym that actually worries me, Key, is LPCW. That stands for Lemon Pepper Chicken Wings. You know what happens in Atlanta. Atlanta is very similar to Miami right now. People are kicking it. People are out partying. They're wilding out. The NBA ratings were already down during the playoffs last year. You need your star players to be present and to not have COVID. Why bring all your best athletes to a place like Atlanta for the All-Star game, knowing that they're going to be in an environment like this when you've already had so many games postponed? Cancel the All-Star game. Just try to get through this year and finish the season with everybody being healthy. First and foremost, do you agree or disagree, Key? What do you got? No, I, I agree with you. I, I I know why they're doing it, much like you said, the HBCUs. But at the same time, the NBA is losing money, so they're still trying to make up some of that money on those, some of those sponsorship deals. I'm sure that the sponsors you know, are saying, give me that money back if you're not going to have the game. And they're saying, no, but I get it. No, you don't. I mean, it's a meaningless game. Like, what is it? I mean, it's, what are you doing? LPCW. Okay, next one. Hashtag Zubin, we're starting it. Free Bradley Bill. Get this man out of Washington, D.C. I can no longer see him play in that jersey. He had 47 points last night against the New Orleans Pelicans. After the game is over, they're like, hey, man, are you down? He's like, is the sky blue? He is one of the most talented players in the league, leads the league in scoring uh, 35 points per game. This guy had John Wall, who was injury prone. Didn't play with him most of his career. And now he has Russell Westbrook, who has a quad injury, shooting career lows from the field and the three-point line. Please, I want to see Bradley Beal on a team that's contending for a world championship. Next up, LeBron James. Hey, Jay. Yes. The sky is gray outside in New York. Yeah. Well, it's gray in D.C. all year long, Key. Next up, front runner for the MVP, LeBron James. I know we have Michael Jordan fatigue. But let's stop making the same mistake over and over and over again. 2018, I know James Harden got the MVP. LeBron James should have won it. I know last year, Giannis got the MVP. LeBron James should have won it. He should have six NBA regular season MVP awards. This year in 32 minutes, has a career high shooting 41% from the three-point line, averaging 25 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, 50% from the field. I know Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, they're playing well, but this team is playing like the best team in the NBA. And then before we go, when it's all said and done, I know you got this last one. Zubin, please set it up because it's really good. Indeed. We'll stay out in the West. You mentioned the Lakers. Steve Kerr, I heard him say the other day that he actually thinks the Jazz are moving closer towards winning the NBA championship. He said it. And part of the reason, of course, is because they have Spider Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell. I am sure you saw this. This was about a week ago, six days ago on TNT. One of the most awkward interviews you'll ever see, the big diesel with the big question mark. What in the world was he talking about here with Donovan Mitchell on Inside the NBA? Part of this is Shaq. I, I said tonight that uh, you are one of my favorite players, but you don't have what it takes to get to the next level. I said it on purpose. I wanted you to hear it. What do you have to say about that? All right. <laughs> that's it. That's it? All right. That's it. Okay, cool. I mean, I want you I, to hear I, I've been hearing, well, Shaq, I've been hearing that since my rookie year. You know, I'm just going to get okay, better and well, do what I do. Good. At the end well, of the day. You. Well, that's what I want you to hear you say. Yes, Love sir. your game, brother. Keep it up. Appreciate it.
Now, here's the interesting part about this one, Zubin. The Utah House of Representatives passed <laughs> legislation the other day backing Donovan Mitchell in a battle versus Shaq. Utah House of Representatives passed legislation backing Donovan Mitchell against Shaq. It's, it's going to that degree. And here's the reason, Key, why it's an issue. If you're trying to do things that are motivational for Donovan Mitchell, why do you have to show out and do that on national TV? Why do you have to have an awkward moment with Donovan Mitchell? If that's what you want to do, Shaq, then why not have a conversation with Donovan Mitchell offline? Why does it seem like sometimes when I watch TNT and I love TNT, Chuck is a guy that comes on our show. Mm -hmm. That's my big brother. Love all those guys. But at times it feels like it's that old generation that loses touch on how to communicate to the young generation. Is it me or am I just tripping on that key? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say you tripping. I just think that the diesel probably the choice of words, right? I mean, because he said he did say he did it on purpose because he wanted him to hear it. And he also said he loved his game. At the same time, he told him to keep doing what you're doing. So I kind of, I'm not really sure where he was going with it. I think it was a poor choice of words on the Diesel's part in terms of saying what he said. Um, I think he was trying to motivate him by saying that He's not ready to take his game to the next level. That's probably kind of what he, he should have. He probably should have prefaced that by saying, "You know, I've been watching you play. You've been cooking, but you're not there yet. You, you know, you scored 47, but that's not it. Don't be complacent. Don't get fall in love with just that. Keep going." He probably should have said something along those lines. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but it, it takes more than one man to win an NBA championship. I mean, my land last year in the playoffs had 51, 47, 45. I mean, he was yeah. playing out of his mind. So yeah. I don't know why, why. Why try to give him that motivation? He already has it, obviously. Man, don't he, ask me. Then I, I don't know. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> it was something that was going viral. It got hot. And I just wanted to bring attention to it because obviously it's a storyline carrying over from last week. Then the diesel said there's only three people, two people that did what I did in the NBA. Seth Curry and, and, and uh, LeBron James. In LBJ, that's it. And that is what? I guess it's championships or something. I don't know. I just, I, I'll just say, so Barkley had his crazy one with Durant, and Shaq had his crazy one with Donovan Mitchell. So Ernie Johnson, pick somebody. You're up next. He's going to get you, Zubin. <laughs> Ernie's too nice. You guys know that. On the way, the NFL's best insider on the final head coaching vacancy filled and why the choice was made. The Houston Texans are hiring David Culley to be their next head coach. I had been told that no matter who they hired, that Deshaun Watson would not be back there. Finally get a chance to be a head coach. Potentially trade Watson. Hell, it's an opportunity that he's waited a long time. More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin next. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Houston Texans are hiring David Culley to be their next head coach. I had been told that no matter who they hired, that Deshaun Watson would not be back there. I just can't help but think of Coach Silas in the NBA. You finally get a chance to be a head coach. Potentially trade Watson. I feel awful, but I mean, hell, it's an opportunity that he's waited a long time. To get that quarterback to come back is going to take a lot of good fortune. A lot there to unpack. Good point there by Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter last night, right? You're Silas. You got Harden. He's gone in Houston. Now you're Cully. You have Deshaun Watson for the moment, but you just heard what Adam Schefter said about Watson's future in Houston. Play that track, Alan. Play that track, Alan. <laughs> Let it go, Alan. Key, what you know about this, Key? <laughs> oh, Connor. It's not Ka- – yeah, Connor. Sorry, Connor. Play that track, Connor. Uh, okay, never mind. Key, don't, Key, you haven't heard this one before, Key? No, I'm just chilling, man. I'm, I'm waiting for Zubin to Crew bring in love. Adam. You're always Crew telling love. me not to get right to it. Now I'm going to get right to it. Let's bring in the NFL's best insider, Adam Schefter. Watched him on SportsCenter last night talking with Kenny Mayne about this decision with Watson. Let's go brass tacks first, Adam. Good morning. Why did the Texans decide on David Culley as their new head coach? Well, it's amazing. It's an amazing story for David Culley, Zubin. Here's a coach who's been in the NFL for 27 years, 16 of them, I believe, with Andy Reid. I don't think he's ever received a head coaching interview before, got one here and impressed the Texans enough to hire him as the head coach. And I think the Texans believe that he can stand in front of a room and lead it forward and be the kind of coach that they need at this time. Of course, I think every decision the Texans make has to consider how it will impact their disgruntled quarterback, Deshaun Watson. But as I was told last week, as Chris Mortensen reported on Sunday Countdown last week, We were told that it doesn't matter who's going to be the head coach, that Deshaun Watson feels the way he does, and it's not reflective of the new coach. It's not reflective of the new general manager, Nick Casario. It is reflective of the owner, Cal McNair. It is reflective of the way the organization is and has been run, and that he would not want to come back there. Now, again, we'll see how that plays out. The Texans continue to believe that they're not going to trade Deshaun Watson. They're not going to have to trade him. I'm skeptical of that, and I guess I will believe it when I see it when Deshaun Watson is back in a Texans uniform. I'm happy for Coach Cully. Adam, I've been knowing him since my high school days in Los Angeles when he tried to recruit me to Texas A&M, so I am extremely happy Hmm. for him, and I think he'll do a hell of a job for the Texans. But this one, why not Eric Bieniemy? What happened there? You know, it's amazing. Again, if you would have said that there's going to be a black head coach hired here who has Andy Reid influence all over him. We all would have agreed and thought it would have been Eric Bieniemy. And here was another head coaching cycle in which Eric Bieniemy has been bypassed. Now, look, we can come up with all the excuses we want. We've heard the same excuses time and time again with Eric Bieniemy. Oh, he's got issues from college. Again, who didn't do things in college that... They wish they could have back in, and and I'm I'm sure Key and Jay are laughing at that, right? I, that's why. I, hey, Adam, I just had to laugh out loud because it's ridiculous. It's it's absurd. Okay, it's it's an excuse. Oh, how about the fact that he doesn't call plays? Maybe not all the time. Well, there are a lot of people who don't call plays that get head coaching jobs, and that hasn't stopped them from ascending through the ranks. And we could just look at this particular. Coaching cycle. I don't think Dan Campbell called plays for the New Orleans Saints, and he got a head coaching job, right? So that's not an issue. Uh, You could say he doesn't interview well. Another excuse. 
ridiculous, okay? I've heard the same things about other people who have gone on to get GM or head coaching jobs who are some of the finest men I know. They don't interview. What does that mean? So it's really a question of, again, what does it take to get this guy hired? And for whatever reason, and I don't agree with it, teams have bypassed Eric Bieniemy and looked in other directions. They're a lost. Mistake. They're lost. They're lost. Mm-hmm. Adam, you set the over-under for 18 quarterback changes this offseason. Who will be the first one, or the, so to speak, the first shoe to drop? Well, Matthew Stafford, I think, because I think it's out in the open for both sides. The Texans aren't at the point where they want to or are ready to go trade Deshaun Watson. But I think the Detroit Lions clearly are. They've had the conversations with the player. The players had the conversations with the team, and both sides are ready to move on. So it's easy to do that once that happens. The Texans and Deshaun Watson are not in the same spot. Not sure the Eagles and Carson Wentz are quite in that spot right now. Uh, There are a number of free agents out there. But again, I would just say this. If you go and look around the league, and it's a fun little exercise, how many teams could you count today where you absolutely know the locked-in opening day quarterback starter for next season. There are maybe 10, mm. maybe 10. And then there are another three or four where you say, well, I think Daniel Jones will be the guy in New York, mm. or mm. I think Matt Ryan will be the guy in Atlanta, maybe. But you can find guaranteed questions with half the teams in the league, minimum 16, I'd say maybe 18 or 20. And with the quarterbacks coming in in the draft, with the number of quarterbacks there are in free agency, I believe that when next season rolls around, you'll have about 18 different starting quarterbacks than the ones that ended last season or that you expected, including starting with, I think, Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Shefty, let's go to one of those teams. Uh, Les Snead and Sean McVay have both been noncommittal on Jared Goff. What is, what is their strategy here and their thinking moving forward? Is this motivation or are they actually looking to make a change? Well, there's one of my 18 right there, Jay. There's <laughs> one of my 18. When you hear the GM talk like that, when you see that they use John Wolford in the playoffs, when Jared Goff was well enough to play, that tells you that they're clearly going to entertain a change. And again, my money would be on the fact that they have a quarterback, a different opening day starter as part of the 18 teams that I'd be forecasting for opening day. Now, again, the general manager had a chance to squash all of it the other day. And he, he just didn't do it. Just didn't do it. I mean, if you just listen to what Les Snead said, yes, Jared Goff is the quarterback at this time. What is today? January 27th or 8th or whatever. Well, he's the quarterback today. You didn't hear, he's our guy. You didn't hear, We're not looking. You didn't hear any of that. You heard complete non-committal. Count them in the 18. How about that? That number is just mind-boggling when you think about it. But as you run through the divisions, they just start ticking off left and right. Adam's totally all over it. This week on the Adam Schefter podcast, he talks to the new Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley. And this only seems apropos on a day where Adam told us uh, Cully had 27 years of head coaching, excuse me, 27 years of experience before he got his first head coaching job. The age difference between Staley and Cully is, you guessed it, 27 years. And you can find that podcast anywhere you download podcasts. Great information as always. It's a quarterback carousel, perhaps of unprecedented proportions. Adam, thank you so much.
All right, A. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Uh-huh. Same to you, Thanks, Adam. Well, that is incredible. Number 18. Adam said it, though. It's, it's you, you start to think about the way they view these assistant coaches and getting head coaching jobs, and you talked about it. You know, you're coordinating one minute, and they get the jobs, and they pass on other guys like Eric Bieniemy. They make excuses about, you know, it's just so funny, though. You talk about his past in college, though, Jay. Okay, so all right, 35, 40 years ago, he partied in college. Okay. Who didn't yeah. party in college, like, they, Oh, he doesn't call all the plays. Okay. He doesn't call all the plays. Hmm. Sean Payton didn't call all the plays when he was with us in Dallas. Parcells, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Charlie Weiss didn't call all the plays. Clyde Christensen didn't call all the plays. It's just like. Peterson, Nagy, and, you know. All it that doesn't stuff. work like that. But those are the excuses that they use. Once again. So Makes Eric no Peter- sense. Yeah, so but so- Eric Bieniemy installs and designs all of the red zone packages for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I guess Bieniemy will have to settle for maybe being a back-to-back Super Bowl play caller himself if things work out on February 7th. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Goodyear hotline, including Adam Schefter, who you just saw there on the way. The Lakers lose to the Sixers last night, but Jay still worried about Philly. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.